Hello, everyone. Welcome to Change and Thrive. I'm your host, Dr. Wendy Heckelman, founder and CEO of WH Consulting and Learning Solutions. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe and select the notification bell. That way, you'll never miss an episode. In response to the national dialogue on racism and social justice, the business community is actively taking a role. CEOs and professional societies are issuing letters of support and acknowledging the need to be reflective and to do more to overcome institutional racism. As a culture change expert, I am going to be starting a series on diversity, equity, and inclusion and bringing in various experts who we've partnered with in the past to tackle this very critical issue. And in these conversations, our guests will share their perspectives, their experiences that they've had in a professional capacity and make some recommendations for action. So in today's session, we're going to talk about the first step in a diversity, equity and inclusion journey, and that is awareness. And we like to think of organizational commitment to DEI on a spectrum that really starts with awareness of the individual and group biases and move into the assessment of an organizational culture as well as those supporting practices. And then to really move the needle to take action. Today is about setting the strong foundation for prioritizing awareness. So I am super pleased to introduce our first guest in this series, Tiana Tai, who is a trusted member of the WLH team. So Tiana, welcome, and I'd love for you to introduce yourself and share a little bit about your background. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is one of those topics that's always a little gritty to talk about, but still really exciting at the same time because any conversation is really moving the narrative, right? So like you already mentioned, my name is Tiana Tai. Um, I am an industrial organizational psychologist. So sometimes people's eyes glaze over when I say that. Basically, it's simply put studying human behavior in the workplace and applying those principles to things like organizational development, leadership development, so on and so forth. So just being here and talking about DEI and culture change in the context of the pharma space is really, really exciting. And I think it's a conversation that needs to be had because traditionally we know some of these activities were kind of check the box, you know what I'm saying? So it's really, totally. good, yeah, it's good just to open up the conversation and start talking about, like you said, at the foundational level, how can we begin building awareness as a first step? You mentioned pharma and you know, Tiana, you've been working at WH for the last several years and you have grown tremendously in your role since from when you started, uh, because we, I think we've had a pretty nice, strong mentoring relationship. In most cases, I would say it would be sponsorship, right? Because I'm going to advocate for you. Uh, but let's talk about really um, from your perspective, mm-hmm. in your professional capacity, and also in some of your experiences, why should organizations prioritize awareness at the individual level? Let's talk about the criticality of that. You know what? I, one of the things that's coming up for me when I think about why at the individual level is it's going to sound really simple, but the reality is we are all human. We are all perceptive. And even within the context of our organizations, we can feel when the culture does not support us on an individual level. 
And I think that that is a reality for people of all, you know, elements of diversity. We're talking race, we're talking gender, we're talking political background, ideology, all of those different dimensions. I could prattle off hundreds of them, quite frankly. Um, but yeah, just at the human level, I think that we can all feel it when it's not quite right. And then even more so when we see organizations just kind of continuing with the status quo without having these sorts of conversations, not only do we know something's not right, especially in the context of what's going on in 2020, you kind of get the side eye, you get the kind, you get the glances where you're like, okay, you see everything going on in society and we're still not talking about it. So not only was I uncomfortable in the first place, but now I'm just watching this problem continue to be perpetuated. And no organizational leaders should ever want to put themselves in that position for everybody to just kind of see it. Even when it's silent, it's still damaging. Absolutely. I mean, think about it. We're in the midst of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. If we were to treat work as is regular, we'd be tone deaf. Yep. The push for social justice, which is a long time coming. And, you know, I was privileged to be trained by Moore Deutsch, a founder of social justice. If, if we do not do something now and at least bring it into conscious discussion mm-hmm. and awareness, we can't do anything about it. That, that, that's, that's the reality. And I, I'm very optimistic that for the first time, I believe as a society, I believe organizations, and I believe leaders as well as individuals want to take a real look and do something significant and move from the check the box to really engaging in dialogue and moving to action. So I don't know if you've seen a difference, but I, I do feel that things are changing and we want to lean into the beginnings of this. Yeah, I, from my perspective, I can see how in the past, like you all, you, we also have to put it in a historical context, right? So even the first steps where we're, we're kind of looking at them now, like, yeah, that was pretty, you know, check the box, face value, it didn't really go that deep but we kind of had to get through that. So now when people are trying to do those same behaviors, we all recognize it and we're like, nope, we've seen this before. Like (laughs) you're not really taking this deep enough. So we're in a much better position this go around, I think, to go beyond that, which I know we're starting even right now at the awareness level. And I think that that's great, but I know that you've got other things planned and we're gonna take it much deeper than even- Absolutely. But, but let's level set a little bit. So let's yeah. talk about the kinds of biases that exist. And I'd love for you to talk about the difference between conscious and unconscious bias and what it looks like. Oh, I, I love this question. So I'm one of those really nerdy facts people. So when I learned this fact, it, it very much has stuck in my head. I've never forgotten it. So this idea that as human beings, we process so much information in any given second. I remember reading once, it's like 11 million, I believe. Yeah, 11 million bits of information get processed in, in one second, but only 40 bits out of 11 million are processed consciously. Right. So literally, if you think about an iceberg, it's like the tip of the tip of the tip of that iceberg is actually happening in our brains on a conscious level. So when you level set in that way and you think about just how much stimulus we're processing on any given basis, I think that it's really short-sighted to assume that there's no bias in any of us. Of course we're biased if we are really processing much of what we are taking in unconsciously because any unconscious processing 
I mean, it's governed by all types of things. Uh, our experiences, who we were surrounded by growing up, you know, nature versus nurture, that whole argument. But if it's not conscious and we're not bringing it to the surface, how do we anticipate changing it, right? So when I talk about conscious and unconscious, on the conscious side, that's that tip of the tip of the tip of the iceberg. You are actively choosing a behavior, a belief, um, something that's guiding the way that you're moving throughout the world, right? Now, unconscious, that's that term that we hear thrown around a lot. Um, I know another, yeah, we hear it all the time, especially right now. Um, another term for it, I believe, is implicit bias, but that's what's happening beneath the surface. And it's, it's a little bit trickier, to be honest with you, because nobody likes to feel like they're a bad person. Nobody likes to feel like they're trying to harm anyone, of course. But when it comes to unconscious bias, the interesting thing to me is when we are acting out behaviors in that way and not knowing, not taking a second to reflect on the root of them, we're just allowing them to continue. And just because you're not actively choosing to act in this bias does not mean that it's not impacting someone in the same way, whether it was conscious or not. That's disparate. It's disparate treatment versus disparate impact, right? So just you're still both people are still being impacted. They're still impacting people no matter which way. So of course, one is a little bit more insidious because you're choosing to do those things. But even when you're not actively choosing to do these things that everybody is talking about right now, you can still impact people positively or negatively. And that's just the way it is. And one of the goals though also is to take this unconscious bias and really bring it to the surface, Mm -hmm. right? And a lot of work that we've done is how do you make people aware to really be reflective about how they feel about things? Um, what, What are some of the practices? I mean, when you're walking down the road as a female late at night and somebody is coming up and approaching, they might not look the same of you or they might be a little bigger. Do you kind of walk to the other side of the street? Now, right. you're not consciously necessarily approaching bias, but it's an unconscious act. I mean, and, and part of awareness is taking those unconscious behaviors and bringing them to the surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, because those unconscious behaviors and practices, to your point, impact others. Now, and, and the second piece is, you know, we're talking about unconscious and conscious bias. Let's take a minute and talk about what second generation bias is. Uh, Because I know there's a lot of confusion and people say, well, what is that? And for a minute, let's define it. And second generation bias, and we know this because of all the work we've done around retention of exceptional performers, and those being women and specifically African-American women as well, is that second generation talks about that when work cultures were formed, and culture is really a set of values and beliefs that you have, and it shows up in how people work, what they talk about, how they dress, right? Those are all the hallmarks, so to speak, of culture. Second generation bias is about cultural values are very male-like, and they are not open and welcoming to women. Again, this is something that in a lot of ways has been unconscious, right? Because for, it's particularly in pharma for many, many years, this predominantly male. I mean, I've been practicing in that space for nearly 30 years and I can tell you 
that I was mostly the rare woman or there might be a sprinkling here and there in this very traditionally male culture. So second generation bias is all about unconscious bias of a culture that's been built because of male values. So the, the idea that a woman that's pregnant would want to be up for promotion, you know, wouldn't necessarily happen in that type of culture. So, you know, part of what we're trying to do is raise that awareness of conscious, unconscious, second generation bias has an impact on culture and whether people stay or leave in the organization. Are there some tips you have on how we can prioritize awareness to set the table, to put the elephant on the table so you can start to do something with it? I have a lot of thoughts on this. So one interesting thing, I recently worked with an organization and saw that they did that went over really well is they actually put together a diversity and inclusion scorecard. So they scored themselves and published it company-wide and made it very known, look, this is where we're at. These, these are our gaps. You know, we're just gonna put it out here and just bring it to y'all's attention. And in a few weeks, we're going to have a foundational bias training. So that was a really beautiful way from my perspective of doing it because they owned where they were. First and foremost, they were like, look, guys, this is where we are right now, and we've got to work from here. Uh, but then they went ahead and brought it to the larger organization by opening up, and I believe it was a mandatory unconscious and conscious bias training, to where they had conversations like this, but they also, it was really powerful because they learned how to talk to each other about these things. And to me, that's one of the most powerful things about actually bringing something into your organization as opposed to handling all of these things individually. Because at the end of the day, your organization is what a network of teams, everybody's working together, collaborating. And if you all don't know how to talk to each other about these issues, awareness at an individual level will then again only take you so far. We've got to be able to bring the awareness into real conversation with one another. Absolutely. I, I, and one of the things that we've been doing is we talk about leaders, right, and how leaders can work with their teams. We use this method of leader-led learning to begin that conversation around inclusivity and behaviors that do not enable a more inclusive and equitable environment and diversity of thought. So diversity is not necessarily uh, a, only a race issue, it's a cu culture, but in organizations, it shows up in terms of, you know, are all the people included in terms of the meeting? Is there inclusivity in the discussion? Is there, is diversity of thought welcome or do you get squashed like an ant? Mm -hmm. um, and is the team functioning equitably? Because in, in later series, we're going to be talking about the retention and what we know about work practices. But when we think about awareness, some very simple things, the scorecard is a great example. And also just giving managers a simple leader-led activity to begin the dialogue could be very effective. I know you talk about this all the time, like rules of engagement. My mind keeps going back to the communication element of it. So as a team, figure out if we notice something and we're trying to actively promote awareness in our organization, how do we agree that we're going to go about bringing this to light? How do we bring up if we see like a faux pas? You know, how do we actually have those conversations in real life? And, and that's part of it, right? So the rules of engagement are always about once you agree to your operating principles of working together, anybody and everybody can raise 
the flag. Mm -hmm. Hey, that's a violation. So same thing about inclusivity and discussion. It's almost irresponsible. If you see something, you need to say something. And I think what we're trying to do here is just to say, start the journey of awareness um, individually, start it with your teams to have a discussion about how do we create a more inclusive, equitable and diverse culture mm-hmm. of our team and what are the behaviors that are our watch outs and start the dialogue. And that actually starts to build the culture. And culture is not necessarily only a top down approach. You can create a more diverse, equitable and inclusive work culture by the series of teams. Now, um, any other thoughts that you have in terms of bringing awareness to light as we start to think about moving into our next podcast, which we're all very excited about? Any other closing I, comments? I'm actually really excited about the next one. She'll give you guys a sneak peek in a moment. Um, but I think my final thought, the leaders, that's really what's coming up for me right now. I just oh. wanna put it on the heart, the mind. I want you all to commit to getting uncomfortable and having these conversations at the end of the day, it, it can be uncomfortable. And I think that it's okay for us to lean into that. I love me some Brene Brown. I know everybody loves her talking about vulnerability and whatnot, but it's, we can't sugarcoat it. Sometimes it will be uncomfortable. We don't know the diversity that exists among your team. And that's something that you guys are going to have to dig into together. So just open up the conversation do the little things. Like Wendy said, it's, you're setting the tone from the top if you're in leadership, but it's also going to happen bottom up. And I think that that's a very powerful way to go about this. I mean, we could share a little story about our team. Hey, we've had discussions. We have a diverse team. We also have a lot of estrogen on our team. A lot. Um, a lot. <laughs> uh, and that's by design because part of my commitment is around developing women and developing diverse women, right? That's, that's no secret. But we've had those conversations, you know, so somebody's behavior was impacting another team member. And it happened to be Anglo woman, African-American woman. And I think that our first conversation around that was a little uncomfortable because something was said that had a reaction. I remember somewhat mediating that conversation. But at the end, we were much better as a team for raising the awareness and calling it. So I think it could be very uncomfortable at times, but now's the time to act. Now's the time to start those conversations because it will only help individuals, teams, and organizations. So any other comments about that? You hit the nail on the head. You got it. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about where we're going next. Our next podcast is going to be around assessment. We said awareness is the beginning of the journey. We're gonna talk about assessment because it's so critical that you assess your work culture, you assess practices to enable the diversity, equity, and inclusion. So as we close out today's podcast, a couple takeaways. One, creating a culture and a place to work that's diverse, equitable, inclusive is everybody's role. And it starts with awareness their conscious awareness and then hanging out and making a commitment to bring that which is in the darker place and the unconscious to light. And that candid discussion and dialogue is the beginning and that everybody individually needs to make a commitment to act. Take a minute, give some thought to this and start your journey. And if you're an organization 
that is looking for support as you embark on this very important DEI journey, feel free to reach out to WLH Consulting. We are providing consulting support in areas of expertise around culture and work practices. Or if you're an individual who's looking to embark on your change journey, you can check out our new book, Change and Thrive, a modern approach to change leadership, now available on Amazon. And Tiana, I want to thank you so much for joining today's podcast. You've been invaluable and you're such a trusted member of our team. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. This was a great conversation. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. I'm Dr. Wendy Heckelman. I'd like to thank you so much for joining us today and have a great rest of your day and we'll see you next week.